and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. We've been waiting for you. We pray this message inspires, encourages, and blesses you. Thanks for listening. Okay, let's get started. Um, We have a gift for you, and... Can I trust you not to open it yet? So every Mother's Day, we, we give a present. And I've actually intertwined the gift this morning with my message. So can I trust you not to sneak peek? If we hand out these gifts now, we're going to unveil them as we do scripture this morning. Okay, so let's hand them all out to every woman. Every woman, because my message is for every woman this morning and men. Um, but to all our women, this gift is for you. And we love you and we honour you. So I am preaching this morning around the title, What a Woman. Without being creepy, lock eyes with the woman next to you and go, What a Woman. (laughs) Make sure you know them first. Oh, thanks, babe. (laughs) Now, this message has been tailored. It's for every woman. It's not just about motherhood. Um, But also for you men listening this morning, you can get inspiration from this, yes, but I would hope as well that you would um, capture some words of encouragement for the women around you, for your mothers, for your daughters, for your partners, for your colleagues, for your um, schoolmates, that you would capture this um, for the women in your life as well. But I'm inspired by David. I'm inspired by Moses. I believe you're going to be inspired by these women I'm sharing this morning, but also for the women around you. So here we go. Everyone got one? Okay. About two minutes time. I'll let you open them. Hang on. So I have a story I want to share, and then I'm actually going to profile 10 women in the Bible this morning and share about these incredible women. But the story I want to share first is about um, some women in Jessie's family. So in the summer of 2018, I found myself um, on Jessie's ancestral land in his home country of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Are there any Kiwis here this morning? Kia ora. (laughs) Hi. So... um, Jesse's father's lineage can be traced back to two Māori tribes, we would call them iwi, and those two tribes were called Ngāti Kahanunu and Ngāpui, and I started to learn about Jesse's culture when I married him. So I was on the traditional land of Ngāti Kahanunu for a family reunion. I've got a picture here, if it's working, of what that looks like. So that's Jesse's marae. Um, there was about 400 of us, I think, but about 300 slept either in that building or on the grass around it for five nights. And um, one night, you can leave that up there, one night one of the elders in Jesse's whanau, his family, was sharing oral traditions that had been passed down for centuries in his tribe, Ngāti Kahanunu. Now, one of these stories tells, that's actually, is that, that, that's him up there, hey, the carving is of Ngāti Kahanunu. Yeah. So one of um, the stories goes like this that when Jesse's ancestors, the men, would go and attack another tribe, the rumour has it, well, not rumour, the oral tradition has it that no one would attack this land because the women were as fierce as the men. (laughs) I was like, whoa. And as I was listening to this story, I'm imagining these women. I'm thinking about the haka. I'm imagining their weaponry. I'm imagining their tamako, their tattoos. I'm thinking, I bet they didn't have thermomixes. I was like... <laughs> and I'm listening to this story. And um, one of Jessie's cousins, Tewai, she elbowed me in the ribs. And she goes, that's you now, cuz. And I went, what? And she goes, this is your whenua, your land now. And we are your family now. You are now accepted into our culture. And that is you and your daughters to come. And I went, Wow. 
And um, I'm now included in their history, their whakapapa, they call it. I'm now accepted into their people. And I was picturing this and I was thinking, what women? How fierce were these women? But I was reminded of this story and I wanted to share it with you this morning because this morning we're actually going to read biblical stories, oral traditions, oral stories that have been handed down and now written stories of our women. Let me explain this because as I was preparing this, I've actually taken the time to look at every single woman in the Bible. And um, Jesse took a dig at me and goes, we wouldn't have taken very long. I was like, it took weeks. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, darling. Actually, this is why, when I I was hearing this story, so my name, Victoria, actually means the feminine version of a victorious warrior in battle. So I actually feel quite comfortable in Jesse's culture, and it's probably why you, you know, married me. Anyway, he's like, she's as fierce as the men. (laughs) I looked at every single woman, and there's literally 40 I could have profiled, but I picked 10 this morning. But I wanted to share that story about Jesse's women in his family, because... In Ephesians 1, it actually says that we are adopted into God's family. And I want to whisper in your ear, ladies, that's you now, girlfriend. So as we look at these stories, that's now your land, your people, your history. It's now um, your inheritance. You are now accepted. And so even more amazing than me being accepted into Jesse's whanau, his family, is that I'm now a daughter of the creator of the universe. You're my brothers and sisters. We are now family and we are accepted. So as I read scriptures this morning, I want to whisper in your ear, that's you now. And men, that's your wives, that's your daughters, that's your future, okay? So as we unveil it, so let's start at the very beginning with the mother of all living, Eve. Now, I know she made some mistakes, but we're not going to focus on that. (laughs) One big one in particular, but um, (laughs) we're not going to focus on that. I want to talk more about her creation intent, okay? So we're going to start with the creation of woman, and you can actually bring the um, first card out of your little envelope. And it says here, today I remind myself. So these are statements I've written for you with scriptures of powerful women. And um, it says here, today I remind myself that I am made in God's image like Eve. Now, there is power in this, ladies, because we, we are made in God's image. Let me break this down. With the creation of woman, it was described in Genesis 2, verse 18 to 25. And I actually believe this message is needed now more than ever. We've got world leaders that can't define what a woman is. I'm like, it's right here in Scripture, and it's not difficult to understand. In the beginning, God made humans either male or female. And here's some points that I've pulled out of these Scriptures. We'll jump straight to them. So the very first thing was this, is that man was made first. Now, man was made out of the earth. Um, I was talking to my lecturer years ago about this and I was saying, well, that makes sense because we were made out of man and that's why we communicate so well with them. But sometimes when I'm communicating with my husband, he needs to go into a forest. I'm like, that's because he was made out of the forest. And I was like, but I want to talk to him. But man was made first out of the earth. And that's actually my son's middle name, Adama, the original man from the earth. Man was made out of the earth and woman was made second out of man. Now, in Hebrew, the word was konegdgo. And this means when they say that they made a helper. Yeah, leave that scripture up there. A helper suitable for him. That word suitable is konegdgo in Hebrew. And what it means is corresponding to what is in front. So it means that as we are together, we were made for one another. That woman was made to correspond to man. I was made for you, babe. But not just in a marital relationship, in a community. So this is for single women too. 
So divorced women. Women were made to exist in a community, male and female he made them, with a purpose. Now it says, um, in, if you read it in order, man was made first and then woman was made second. And you can kind of read it and think, um, you kind of read it and think, oh, man wasn't whole and he needed a helper. God was like, oh, left a few things undone. I'll send a helper. You know, it wasn't actually like that. Woman was not an afterthought and neither was man not whole. So let me explain this. God always intended both. Now there's power in this. It's easy to read the scripture in order and think that the woman was an afterthought, even after the animals. When I read that, I was like, ouch. He was like, looked for animals and then he was like, oh, I'll just make a woman. But God doesn't make mistakes. So he made no mistakes when he made man. And he exists outside of time. So while we read in chronological order, God doesn't exist like we do. He exists outside of time and creation was always going to be full in its entirety. So he had every intention of woman's coming. So... Man was designed physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually whole, complete, with the intention of woman on the way. So then we came. Now, hear this. God always intended a man and a woman to be together. I unashamedly say that. This is the foundation of Christian marriage. He intended a man and a woman to be together. This was his creation intent, and he confirmed it when he said the two shall become one. Now, I want to talk more now to the woman, okay? So that's the foundation of where we fit it in. The very first mention of her personality was as a helper. Now, you can read that. Um, It says, There was no suitable helper found for man amongst the animals, so she was made. And you can see how you can get a little bit like, oh, is that my my purpose? (laughs) I meant to just be his helper, like a glorified house slave you know you can read that and go is that what just a little above the animals hang on let me understand this so this word helper is the hebrew word azir and it was actually found elsewhere in scripture hear this remember made in god's image it was found elsewhere in scripture only a few times but only ever when god identifies himself to israel so we read it in exodus 18:4 and deuteronomy 33:7 so it's starting to get a little bit more weight to that word helper now remember our god is a triune God. So he is in relationship with his own self in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he calls himself a helper. There is power in being a helper. It is selfless. It is beautiful. It is strong. And it is dignified. It is not an afterthought. And it is not a glorified house slave one step above the animals. It is a helper. And it's not just to help the other. Do you know what it's actually for? It gives us a purpose. We are actually meant to walk hand in hand, helping each other with the weight of following Jesus, of fulfilling His kingdom come. So I'm here to help, yes, with raising children, yes, with cooking dinner, but I'm also here to help you so we may see God's kingdom come. That's what the helping is for, that we may see, it says, to care for the earth and to worship me. That were the things that we were meant to help with. So together, hand in hand, male and female are made, unique, neither one more valuable than the other. So the word helper actually describes function rather than worth. Let that resonate. Eve was designed as the perfect counterpart for the man. The woman was neither inferior nor superior. And sometimes it irks me, this culture at the moment of like the feminist culture. I'm like, we don't speak down to our men. We lift them up. We lift them up. And I get a little bit irked because I'm like, something's not quite right. Like we need, like the true equality is one serving the other. So Eve, thanks, Pastor Joy. 
You've been like this since I met you. Eve was designed as the perfect counterpart for the man. The woman was neither inferior nor superior, but she was made alike and equal in her personhood while different and unique in her function. We're different and unique in our function, but it doesn't mean that we don't have the same value. And, you know, together we are helping each other achieve what it is God has for us, our purpose. Amen? So this brings us to our first woman to profile, and it's Eve. So I know, like I said, she made some mistakes, but don't we all? But that's the foundation of who we are as women, is that we're made in God's image. So today I remind myself that I am made in God's image. And on the back there is the scripture. And the very last sentence says, it says, God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female, and he blessed them. Hallelujah. How good is that? Now, as we journey through the Bible, I was going to talk about Sarah. She's an amazing wife to Abraham. I was going to talk about Hagar, the slave that God didn't abandon. I was going to mention, I bypassed Lot's wife. She was a bit disobedient. Um, we were going to talk, I was going to talk about Rebecca. She was cool. Rachel and Leah, bit of an odd story. Wouldn't want to share a husband with my sister. Anyway, moving on. I had Dina. Love Josh, but... Um, <laughs> How weird would that be? Um, I read about Dina, one girl, 12 brothers. Whoa, and a horrible story. It would be like out of um, one of those Netflix series. Anyway, I went past Tamar, Zipporah, Jezebel, and then I got to Miriam. So if you can pull out your next card. So Miriam, she's our second girl. Her first appearance in Scripture was next to the River Nile. She was asked to take her baby brother down to the steps of the river. Now, at the time, there were... Um, The Israelites were captive in Egypt and Pharaoh at the time put a decree out to kill all the newborn babies. And so Miriam, it probably would have been um, between the ages of maybe five to ten, and she had been commissioned to go and to put her brother in a basket down by the river and hope for the best. And so it says that she kept to the side of the river while her baby brother was floating down the river and she hovered there. And then she saw something remarkable happen. Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river and saw the baby and had compassion on the baby. And Miriam, so amazing, she said to her, um, she decided to take the baby into her house and she looked around and saw Miriam, an Israelite girl, and said, do you know anyone that could um, um, nurse this baby before the days of formula? You needed what you needed. Is there anyone that can nurse this baby? And she goes, yes. Sneaky little thing goes and gets her mum. I love her. Anyway, so this is the start of Miriam. And then she went and got her mum, and so her mum got to be with her baby. What a miracle, and what courage to do that for this young girl. But we see her again 80 years later, Riverside again, and it's when the Israelites were taken out of Egypt, and they're worshipping. Moses sings this beautiful song, and then we find Miriam. So she was known as a prophetess, a leader of the Israelites, and um, from what we understand, she was neither married Um, nor did she have children. Her career was outside the home in building up the nation of Israel. What a woman. So check out Exodus 15, 20 to 21. It's on the back of this card here and it says this, Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, she took a tambourine and all the women followed her. I love that already. She was a worship leader. Dancing, Miriam led them in singing and she said, come on girls, sing to God. What a victory. He pitched horse and rider into the sea. She was a fierce woman. Don't you just love her? So maybe this is the point this morning, ladies, you need to praise your way through a situation. Or maybe you need to encourage the women in your world to praise their way out of a situation like Miriam. Remember, ladies, who we are, our ancestry, that brave runs in our family. So today I choose to celebrate. 
That's what it says here. To dance and worship like Miriam and her girlfriends. Hallelujah. Cool. Awesome. Let's get on to the next lady. So our next gal is Rahab. You can pull this out. So the story goes... um, I just think it's so compassionate and grace-filled and kind of our God to include a woman of the night in all this. So um, I'm just trying to think how many young kids are in the room. You understand what she did for a living. And um, she was living in the walls of a city that Israel were about to capture. And she hid spies. And um, she was obviously an intelligent woman because she was aware of the goings-on of Israel and their God. She was really aware of it and she knew which side to align with. So she showed remarkable knowledge of Israel as well as what God was doing. Rather than choosing fear and surrender, she chose alignment and got protection for herself and her family. She risked her life and the life of her family in both the hands of her own country by housing spies, but also in the hands of Israel who didn't accept foreigners. But she put herself out there. She was like, yeah. And this is what she said. Before the spies were down for the night, the woman came up to them on the roof and said, this is Rahab, I know God's given you this land. We're all afraid. Everyone in this country feels hopeless. Now promise me by God, I showed you mercy. Now show my family mercy. I was like, she was a, in their eyes a sinner and not even part of their culture. And she was like, give me tangible proof, a guarantee. She just put it on them. Um, of my life and um, my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters and everyone, save our souls from death. And guess what? It happened. She ended up in the lineage of our Saviour and of King David. And so today I choose courage in the face of fear. This is my sister. This is my auntie. I choose courage in the face of fear like Rahab. Amen? Amen. So take that one. So ladies, this is actually for you to keep bedside or by your study desk, just to remind yourself of who we are, how we were made and what runs in our family. So let's keep going. In Judges 4, we find an amazing lady, and I actually haven't spent much time reading about her. Her name's Deborah, and she was a judge. I didn't even know there was a female one, but here she is. Um, in Judges 4, she was a leader of a nation. It doesn't talk anything of her coming from a noble family. Her husband is mentioned without title or fanfare, but she was called a mother in Israel, literally meaning she was a mum. I'm like, good on you, Debbie. <laughs> and it says she was fearless. Um, she actually summoned one of Israelite's leaders and like, we need to go into battle. And he's like, I'm not going unless you come with me. That's what he said. And she's like, you know, if I come with you, everyone's going to like account the victory. They're going to say, God, you know, led our enemies into the hands of a woman. And he's like, I'm good with it. She's like, all right, come on then. And they actually won the battle. <laughs> I was like, it's a fierce woman right there. I can't even watch like anything over like a PG. Can't even look at it. I get so scared. Anyway, so... Deborah, fearless, but it says that before she was a leader, she was a wife, a mother, and a homemaker. And this is powerful because I've written here something really simple. Today, I choose to lead like Deborah. Ladies and men, to encourage the ladies, what is it that God's asking you to lead today? Is it your family? Is it your work environment? Is it the footy club? Is it your circle of friends? What is he asking you to lead and to inspire? To what? To build up his kingdom. What is he asking you to lead today? So this statement says, today I choose to lead like Deborah. Because there's always a reason not to. I feel it. I'm always like, I don't know if I've got what it takes. You do. Our next girl is Ruth. And she's so rad. She was a foreigner. All the men in her family passed away. And in those day and age, that was like, there was no social welfare. So her future was just barren. And um, she actually pretty much proposed to Boaz herself. Like... 
culturally laid at his feet. That was as good as a proposal. She's like, can you want to marry me? It's like, what a woman. Um, so she was loyal. And this is what I sh- want to share with you this morning. Today, I choose to be loyal like Ruth. So in Ruth 1, 16 to 17, um, she says to her mother-in-law, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. See, she'd had a taste of Yahweh by being married into this family. She'd seen a better God and she wanted in and she was loyal. So I ask you today, woman and, um, and man, what is God asking you to be loyal to? Loyalty ain't easy. (laughs) Sometimes you want to do things that suit you. But she was loyal and the outcome was incredible of what happened in Ruth's life. You can read more about it. But what is the Holy Spirit prompting you to be loyal to today? The next one is this. Um, Has anyone, you know, over the last few years sometimes given up hope of the future? You know, it's hard to make plans. In Proverbs 31, it speaks of a woman... She has no name, but that she smiles at the future. I want to tell you that peace, peace doesn't come in the absence of chaos. It actually comes in the presence of God. So when everything's aligned, that's not when we feel peace. You can still not feel peace in the middle of a beautiful day. Peace doesn't come in the absence of chaos. It comes with the presence of God. And there is a woman here in Proverbs 31. So you can grab that next one out. Oh, skip Luke 8. Grab the next one. Oh, where is it? Virtuous wife. Today I choose to smile at the future like the virtuous wife. In Proverbs 31, verse 25 to 26, it says, She is clothed with strength and dignity. That's you, girlfriend. And she laughs at the days to come. Sometimes the days to come don't look funny to me. No, that's not funny. I ain't laughing. That's a lot happening, you know. But she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. I actually want to pray right now, if you have lost hope of the future, lost your laugh, lost your joy, and you're not sure of the days to come, I just want to pray for you right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I lift up every single heart in this house, and I speak hope into our futures. God, we look to you for assurance, and we know that you're a good God, and you're going to bring joy and laughter back into our hearts if we have lost hope for the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to keep going. I skipped over Delilah. She is naughty. And, um, <laughs> and I found Esther. So grab Esther's one. Today I remind myself that I was born for such a time as this, like Esther. Do you know, every person in this room, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. Um, I'm running out of a bit of time, but if you can, read Esther 4 and read her story. If you feel like you don't have purpose, read her story. It was incomplete surrender to God. She even says the words, if I die, I die. (laughs) And she's like, I was born for such a time as this. I want to spend a bit of time on the the later two two or three women. So we're going to jump to the next one. And um, there was a woman in in Luke 8 who also had no name. And um, In Luke 8.43, it says a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And in that day and age, in that culture, you were um, out of society. You weren't allowed to be around anyone. Um, You definitely couldn't be in community with anyone. That's a long time. And you couldn't even touch someone if you had this issue. But it says that though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. And she came up behind Jesus. This is like naughty. She got behind Jesus and she just touched the fringe of his clothing because she knew she'd make him unclean if she thought. So 
And immediately her sickness went away. Her hemorrhaging stopped. She believed for her miracle. She knew if I could just touch his cloak, he didn't even need to lay hands on me or pray or, you know, months or if I could just touch his garment, I'd be healed. So I've written here, today I will believe for my miracle like the woman in Luke 8. And I've written her story on the back for you. So you grab that. If you need a miracle, you put that on your bathroom mirror and you claim it every morning that I'm going to believe for my miracle in my health. I'm going to declare Scripture over my situation and I'm going to believe for my miracle. Now, the last two women are also found in the New Testament. They're both called Mary. The first one is Mary of Bethany. Matthew 26, you can read her story. And the statement is this, today I choose to be generous in my affection towards Jesus, like Mary of Bethany. She was so amazing. Um, So she was apparently unmarried, a lot of these women were, lived with her older sister Martha and her brother was Lazarus who was raised from the dead. It's said that her home was actually a welcome hangout spot for Jesus. How rad. Like party house. It was like a share house. And then um, you forget they were, you know, early 30s. And um, Mary, more than any other in the New Testament, was associated with sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so I've written this one. Today I choose to be generous in my affection towards Jesus. A daily reminder, ladies. We have to just be generous in our affection towards him. She was the one that went in a room of people, poured perfume on Jesus' feet and used her hair to wipe his feet. So generous was she in her affection towards Jesus. And everyone said, oh, why are you doing this? Get this woman out of here. And Jesus said, she has done something wonderfully significant for me. You know, sometimes more than anything we can do uh, for God, he just wants our affection. So I put that one in there for you. Now, lastly, we come to Mary Magdalene. She was famously healed of demon possession. And after her healing, she became a devout follower of Christ. She was counted amongst a small group of women that I could have spoken about today, who at their own expense served Jesus and his disciples as they preached and ministered. They were helpers. Mary became an important leader among the early Christians. She's mentioned 14 times. She gave her time, energy and her wealth to ministry. Um, When nearly everyone abandoned Jesus at the cross, she stood there and she watched him pass away. She didn't back down. She wasn't afraid. She stayed at the feet of her Saviour. And so I wrote today, I choose devotion to Jesus. You know, there is opportunity in our culture, in our environment to back down from Jesus and to go, oh, I choose a different way or I'm not going to stand up for what I believe here. But I choose to be like Mary Magdalene. I'm not turning away from my Saviour. I choose to speak truth into every situation I'm put in. I choose to glorify Him and magnify Him no matter what any situation I'm in. I choose to be like Mary Magdalene. Do you know when he passed away and then the Sabbath was, it says before dawn, she went to his tomb and um, he actually chose her. He could have chosen anyone as the first person he revealed himself to, his precious Mary. It was her. On the back there, I've written the story for you in John 20. It says, um, just before the dawn came, early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. And she saw him. She thought he was a gardener. I don't quite understand that. I'll ask her when I get there. I'm also going to ask Eve if, like, she had a belly button. Anyone think about that? I was like, anyway, yeah, sorry. That's where my brain goes. I was like, Adam and Eve, did you guys have belly buttons? Because you're just made out of the dust. Anyway, um, (laughs) sorry, carry on. But she saw Jesus for the first time, and she was the one, Mary Magdalene, that went to go tell the disciples, he's risen. He chose her. And so I've written, today I choose devotion to Jesus, like Mary Magdalene. Ladies, I want to pray for you now. So I want you to grab these cards. There might be one that spoke to you more than others. You can put it on the top. 
because I won't have time to go into detail and pray over every single one, but I want you to grab those. If there was one that you're believing for a miracle, maybe God's calling you to be loyal to something. Maybe um, like Esther, you want a purpose. Maybe... um, you know, you want to have more affection and devotion towards Jesus. Maybe you need to lead like Deborah. Maybe you need to be fearless like Rahab. Maybe there's been fear in your life. Maybe loyal like Ruth. You know, maybe you've lost your joy or your hope. Would you grab that virtuous wife scripture right now? And I just want to pray over you this morning. And so would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Dear Lord Jesus, we just adore you. We are so thankful for you that you made us in your image, God. And I'm just so thankful, Lord, that you've given us a beautiful, godly examples of women all through the Bible, none who were perfect, but ones that just did their best unto you, God. I thank you, Lord, for every woman in this house, for every family, um, for every man here, Lord, as well, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you are calling us to be fearless, calling us to devote ourselves to you, Lord, calling us to have affection towards you, to believe for miracles, to remember who we were made by, and that was you and in your image. So I lift up every heart here, and I pray particularly for anyone that's feeling down today, Father. I pray you would remind them of our hope that's in you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 And just as the, um, oh, you're up here. Hello. Thank you. I also want to pray for you this morning if you've never um, accepted Jesus into your heart. I just pray with my whole heart that if anyone here has doubts or is unsure, that today would be the day that you are sure. If you're sitting here going, I don't know, maybe I do know him, maybe I don't, my parents do know him, I did know him, I'm just praying today you'd walk out of here going, I know him. And so if you're in this place and you don't yet know Jesus, you're not walking with Him, you don't have a relationship with Him, I want to pray for you. So I'd actually ask just once again, if everyone could just close their eyes, bow their heads. And if you're in this place and you haven't yet accepted Jesus into your heart, I just want to pray a simple prayer with you. And when I do, today's the day. So God will actually be accepted into your heart today. Um, So if that's you while no one's looking around, just wave your hand at me so I know who I'm praying with and I'm going to pray with you this morning. Awesome. Awesome. So cool. Really feel God doing things this morning in people's hearts and lives. I believe dreams have been restored this morning. God, Holy Spirit's doing His work. So good. But everyone just pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus. Oh, and I will just say, if that's you accepting Jesus into your heart, this is the prayer we pray. Um, And when we do it, it's done. Okay. It says right here, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. So that's the prayer we're praying. So repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I invite you now into my heart and I confess that you are Lord and I want to spend my life walking with you. I believe in you and I accept you into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we just lift up every person in this house that made a connection with You this morning, God, people that are accepting You for the first time. And I just thank You for them, Lord. And I pray this be a new day in their lives. In Jesus' mighty Name, Amen. Amen. Garden is a life-giving church with a passionate commitment to help people grow in a loving relationship with Jesus, to gather in a faith-filled community, and to go and make a difference in our world. Find out more at gardenchurch.com. That's G-A-R-D-N church.com. Or on Instagram and Facebook, 
at Garden Church. That's G-A-R-D-N Church. Thank you.